Hello and welcome to here's Johnny's reviews and a continuation of the Summer of Super, which is my look at the Iron Man movies. Today's podcast is looking at the rushed out sequel to Iron Man, Iron Man 2. This wasn't planned as part of Phase 1, as it was supposed to be introduction movies uh, to the superheroes, i.e. one per hero um, for Captain America and Thor. And uh, Incredible Hulk, but that one tanks, so technically that's not canon. <clears throat> but however, Iron Man made a boatload of cash, so this thing was rushed out to milk it. Uh, coming out eight years ago in 2010, and over two years after Iron Man, with a $200 million budget, this thing pulled in $623 million. And I saw this in an opening weekend in a packed IMAX theatre. And I loved it. In fact, I'd say this is better than Iron Man. However, eight years later, do we still feel the same? Let us find out. Starring Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, John, John, Don Cheeto, <coughs> Scarlett Johansson, Sam Rockwell, Mickey Rook, and John Favreau, directed by John Favreau. The plot, six months after the events of Iron Man, the world knows Tony Stark is Iron Man and things are riding high with Stark. He has control of his company back, he's in love with Pepper and he's quote privatising a world of peace. However, in Russia, Stark's past is about to haunt him in the shape of Whiplash, a man who claims his father invented the arc reactor. Also, the government is putting pressure on Tony to hand over one of the suits. To top it all off, his competition, Hammer Industries, are making their own style Iron Man suits. Can Tony keep things at bay while trying to figure out what is poisoning him? Let us find out. The movie opens up on a voiceover from Tony Stark, once again played by Robert Downey Jr., uh, which is the closing of Iron Man 1. As this is happening, the Marvel Flipping Pages logo is well flipping. As in Russia, Watching on TV is Ivan Vanko, played by Mickey Rook of Sin City, the wrestler, Nine and a Half Weeks, and Immortals. He watches the press conference of Tony telling the world he is indeed Iron Man. As his father dies, screaming to the heavens, this sparks off his revenge plan, showing him pouring over blueprints, building his own weapon based on Stark's designs. Some A-team style montage as he builds his own arc reactor and dual electric whips. On the wall, we see he's obsessed with Tony as he has every square inch of wall covered with the newspaper and magazine clippings. Finally, after five minutes of him building it from scrap metals and bitterness, he has his very own arc reactor. Yet, Warmonger couldn't build this thing even though he had a multi-billion dollar company behind him. Just got to show how much of a weak villain he actually was. Six months later, ACDC shoot the thrill kicks in. As Tony uh, Halo jumps from a helicopter, actually a plane, onto his own expo. And I like the deleted opener better, you know the ones using the bloody trailers. Uh, where Tony is throwing up in the plane's toilet from poisoning from his arc reactor. And Pepper just thinks he's hungover and tosses the helmet out so he has to dive after it, dodging fireworks as he does so. Anyway, one superhero landing later, and I guess that doesn't hurt his knees then. Hmm. And a literal song and dance routine as Tony is unscrewed out of his suit. Once the Ironettes finish their dance routine, Tony can officially open Stark Expo, the first one since 1974. 
After big upping himself, Tony humbly opens Star Expo for a quote, bigger, brighter future. Then shows a video of his father, Howard Stark, played by John Slattery. As the video plays, Tony goes backstage to test his blood toxicity level using a small gadget and he finds out it is 19%. A weird POV shot of Tony being led through the expo by Happy Hogan, once again played by John Favreau, and cue the Stan Lee cameo, with Tony thinking he is indeed Larry King. Outside, Tony is handed a subpoena by a pretty brunette, who went on to later play uh, Sue Storm in the terrible fan stick. <laughs> Tony roars off, off in his new Audi as the next morning he has to be in DC being grilled by the Senate Armed Services Committee led by Senator Stern, played by Gary Shandling of, well, the Gary Shandling show. Tony thinks this is all a big joke, butting heads of the Senate until he calls his ice up his sleeve, or so he thinks. Tony's competitor, Justin Hammer, played by Sam Rockwell of Moon, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Chalice Angels, and the Poltergeist remake. He tries his best to hold his own against Tony, but fails miserably. And note, Sam Rockwell was originally cast as Iron Man before it went to Robert Downey Jr. Roddy is then called in to testify, now played by Don Cheeto, as John Favreau couldn't stand Terence Howard and his shitty attitude. He's wanted to play War Machine slash I Am Patriot ever since, so take that, fucking Terence Howard. Demanding money and all crap. Tony thinks Roddy is here to back him up, but nope. His report is used against Tony after the senator twists it to suit his own point of view. Onto the senator yet again, forcing Rod's sorry, Rody, research to suit his narrative as they show pictures from around the world of companies and countries trying to build their own Iron Man style suits. Tony doesn't stand for this and hacks the TV sh screens showing not one of the suits works. Also Hammer himself as he tries and fails to get suits working showing him killing a pilot inside as it snaps his spine as it twists at the hips. Tony then walks off all cock in a walk with the senator cursing him out on live television because, you know, senators swear on live television. Hmm. Back in Russia, Whiplash watches on TV while he fine-tunes his whips. As Tony boasts, countries will be at least 5 to 10 years behind with Hammer Industries being at least 20 years because they're shite. Note, the tattoos and gold teeth, also the bird, were all Mickey Rook's idea. John Favreau wouldn't know which mood he was in, so he just let Mickey run wild with the character. As back in Russia, Tony wakes up Jarvis, uh, once again voiced by Paul Bettany, and gets him to test his blood toxicity levels, which are now 24%. Turns out the arc reactor is poisoning him, and he must come up with a new power source or it will kill him soon. And this sets off the subplot of Tony being, I don't know, depressed and nihilistic, you know? I mean, he's going through this whole, this is my last year on Earth, or last couple of months on Earth, I'm going to do what the fuck I want, and moving on. As in walks Paper Potts, once again, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, she's pissed Tony has gave away his entire modern art collection to the Boy Scouts of America after her collecting it for 10 years. And I would too, because these are homophobic fucking douchebags. 
Anyway, he's had enough of her handpecking him, so he makes her the CEO of Stark Industries, so he can concentrate on being Iron Man. As back in Russia, Whiplash has fake IDs made and heads to America. Meanwhile, back in America, Tony and Happy are working out, well, boxing actually, as Pepper tries to get Tony to sign over the company to her. In walks a new PA, Natasha Romanoff, aka Natalie Rushmore, aka Black Widow. Played by Scarlett Johansson of Ghost World, Eight-Legged Freaks, a movie I covered last April, check my archives, Lost in Translation, Under the Skin, and The Avengers Movies. With said paperwork, Tony instantly hits on her, then sticks her in the ring to fight with Happy. She then goes on to kick his ass using MMA skills. On to the Monaco Grand Prix, which Tony is there for some reason. Why the fuck is Tony at the Monaco Grand Prix? <laughs> And cue another cameo of Elon Musk playing himself. Because this movie is chock full of cameos. Pepper is acting all jealous as Tony is giving Natasha attention. As up walks Justin Hammer with Vanity Fair writer Christine Everhart, once again played by Leslie Bibb in tow. Tony brushes him off, asking him how it feels to have his government contracts cancelled. Uh, Tony then goes off to check his blood toxicity levels, which is 53%, before deciding to go out and race in the Grand Prix himself. And this not only pisses off the race driver, but Pepper and indeed Hammer, because Tony is blatantly showing off. And note, unless he is the same height and weight as a racing driver, he replaced this car is not set up for Tony, and it's just not how you drive off in Formula 1 cars, that's not how Formula 1 fucking works. It has to be balanced for the height and the weight and indeed the skill level of the driver. Any Joe small nobody can't just fucking drive these things. Uh, moving on. The race is off as from the crowd whiplash comes out dressed as an official to literally whip Tony's car in two. Happy and Pepper rush to Tony's aid with the Iron Man suitcase armoured suit type thingy. Again, one of my pet peeves as whiplash just stands there as an explosion happens behind him as Formula 1 cars pile up due to the destruction of Tony's car. One little thing here, if the heat from the whips can burn through tarmac, then why isn't it burning Whiplash's flesh? I mean, he has it on his bare back, chest and arms, but no ill effects. Okay then. Before Whiplash can go in for the kill, Happy runs him over with a Rolls Royce Phantom. And note, two of these were used in filming and one was completely and utterly destroyed. Whiplash whips the Rolls Royce into pieces as Tony tries to get the suitcase, uh, which he calls the football, which is a nod to the US president which carries a Linux code in a suitcase. And why doesn't Whiplash just take Tony's head off as he stands there for a full 50 seconds as a suit builds around Tony? Okay then. He waits until Tony is in the suitcase armour before attacking, whooping him and throwing him like a little ragdoll. Tony quickly and easily disarmed Lash, and as he's dragged away in cuffs, he screams, you lose. Back at the bar, Hammer is just grinning watching this all on TV. As in a holding cell, Tony gets five minutes with Whiplash to ask him where he got his arc reactor from. With Whiplash saying Stark's family are thieves and his father invented the Stark reactor, not Howard Stark. Plus, he made God bleed and his sharks were out for blood. Flying back in his private jet to the USA, Tony sees on TV that 
Senator Stern is indeed out for blood, as in jail, Whiplash is handed a meal with a note saying, quote, enjoy the potatoes, as the potatoes are C4, and walks a lookalike, and the cell blows up faking his own death. Whiplash is then bagged and cuffed, taken to Justin Hammer, who gets him to build Iron Man suits. This dinner scene is ruined because all I can focus on is Justin Hammer's fake tan on his hands, and not him trying to pally up with a war, uh, whiplash. I mean, for God's sake, it looks like he's dipped his hands in brown paint, for fuck's sake. I mean, they've done a better job of rubbing in the fake tan, for crying out loud. Back in Tony's house, Pepper is trying to put out the PR firestorm. And note, the robot-like statue in the background sold for $107 million in 2010 at an auction. Roddy shows up, finding Tony sitting in his hot rod as Charles explains who Whiplash is. Uh, Roddy explains to Tony that the National Guard want the suits ASAP. Tony collapses in front of Roddy as he tries to make it to his desk. It's here. Tony tells him his arc reactor is killing him because it is powered by palladium. Except palladium is not toxic. What a fuck up there, fucking Marvel. Hammer takes Whiplash back to his lab to work on building the suits, and note, this lab is actually Elon Musk's factory. Whiplash, however, doesn't listen to Hammer jammering on and on and on as he just hacks into the computer software and then pulls apart a suit costing $170 million, allegedly. <laughs> Later that night, Black Widow uh, walks on on Tony, dressing and also finds out his blood toxicity level is 89% and sees the rash on his neck. 89% shouldn't he be dead for crying out loud? Black Widow plays coy with Tony sitting on his knee, applying makeup to his cuts on his face before his big birthday bash he's hosting that night. And cut to Tony drunk, surrounded by good time girls spinning a DJAM discs in the Iron Man suit. And note, Robert Downey Jr. is only wearing the top half of the suit as the legs are CGI, as it was quicker and easy for them to film and quicker and easy to get in and out of the suit. In walks Pepper with a gift for Tony, who looks on with utter disgust as outside on the telephone, Roddy tells the senator he'll have Iron Man in the bag in 24 hours. Pepper then tries in vain to stop the party until Roddy throws out all the hanger honours. Roddy then steals the Mark II suit, fights with Tony, after he goes too far in his showing off. Uh, the two fight to another one bites of dust by Queen. Pepper has it out with Black Widow until Roddy and Iron Man smash through the floor. Roddy then tries to burn Tony in a fireplace. Tony stands up and points his blaster to Roddy, who does the same, and both fire. This blast sends out a shockwave, knocking back both. Tony comes to just in time to see Rhodey fly off with the Mark II. As in Edwards Airbase, Rhodey lands handing over the suit to be worked on by Justin Hammer, who shows off all his new toys, asking which one he wants. These are all machine guns and shotguns and rocket launchers, etc, etc. With Rhodey saying them all, and War Machine is born, which is basically a heavily armed and slightly modified Mark II suit. And I don't get it. All through uh, Iron Man 3 and Avengers movies, it's the same suit. What no upgrades? Nothing. You know, get in. The next morning, Tony is eating donuts in the Randy's Donut Shop sign in California. I think it's California. <laughs> Nick Fury, uh, played by Samuel L. Jackson, shows up 
of, well, absolutely everything from Jurassic Park to Snakes in a Plane to Shaft as he hands Tony the cure for his poisoning. In walks Black Widow in a skin-tight catsuit Catwoman would kill for as Fury chews out Tony for letting Rhodey steal an Iron Man suit and then tells him he hasn't tried everything yet. Back with Whiplash as Hammer tries to give him a parakeet claiming it to be his own parakeet from Russia. But Whiplash isn't interested and continues working on the suits which are now drones. Much to the annoyance of Hammer as he wants his suits not drones. Uh, back to Rhodey, showing off the Mark II suit to his general. As back in his Malibu home, Fury tells Tony the arc reactor is not finished and it's to be worked on even more. Fury hands Tony a suitcase full of secrets, leaving Coulson, once again played by Clark Gregg, to babysit Tony. Back with Rhodey, who removes arc reactor before Hammer can get his grubby little hands on it. As I said, he arms up the suit-making war machine. With all his crappy guns and other useless pieces of technology. Including the ex-wife, which is supposed to be this mega explosive missile, but more on that one later. Tony, back home, opens a suitcase of secrets and watches old home movies of his dad. As he pours over old notebooks, one of which shows the Tesseract, or the Space Stone. Which is never actually mentioned, but this just hangs on his shot for a couple of seconds. Because it's all connected. <gasps> While watching outtakes, Tony sees a hidden message from his father telling him these specs to the Star Expo Park is his greatest invention. And you're trying to say to me well, that S.H.I.E.L.D. had these videos for decades and they didn't actually comb through every inch of this bloody stuff to find all this super secret information? Kidding. Tony speeds to Pepper in his old office to get the plans. Pepper, being her usual bitchy self, is cold to Tony even after he tries to tell her he loves her. She's too busy bitching him out to listen, however, as Tony takes the plans, well, the models of the Expo Park home with him, after noticing something is hidden in the design. He gets Jarvis uh, to scan it, and boom, within minutes he makes a new element using Jarvis's holographic technology. And cue the scenes of Tony smashing down walls, rewiring and rebuilding a lab, to make a, well, atom smasher type thing, really. Hmm. And I love how Tony uses Captain America's prototype shield as leverage to fix a coil to put it in place. And why would Tony have a prototype shield if he demands it from Iron Man in Civil War? Okay, then. Coulson is pulled away to New Mexico to deal with something electrifying. Tony makes a new element, and boom, our replacement power source is now born. And why isn't he in one of his suits as he's doing this highly dangerous experiment? Kira, he's literally doing this in a wife beater and jeans, I believe. I mean, nothing, no protection of at all, not even a bloody hazmat suit, for fuck's sake. Back with Whiplash, as he's also building his own reactor and a more powerful whips. He brushes off Hammer saying drones will work better at the Stark Expo, as men are pathetically useless. This pisses off Hammer as he rushes down with goons to rough up Whiplash. This doesn't work as he breaks free, killing all the guards. He calls Tony to tell him he has a more powerful art reactor and is indeed he is coming from him and his legacy. So, Tony slams a new power arc reactor into his heart type thing and gets Jarvis to build the Mark V. 
That night at the expo, Hammer shows off War Machine and the drones, and note that stupid little dance Hammer does wasn't in the script, and was done on the set by Sam Rockwell just to show how much of a two-bit copy of Howard, uh, Tony Stark he actually was. Tony flies in in the new Mark V, and the drones come to life and immediately start to attack Iron Man, as they are being controlled by Whiplash in Manhattan, I believe. As the drones attack, Iron Man fights them off outside. Even War Machine attacks Iron Man. The dogfight continues as Tony flies around the expo park, taking out drones as he does so. Meanwhile, Pepper and Black Widow deal with Hammer. Well, Pepper does as she calls the cops. Black Widow gets happy to drive her to Hammer HQ. As drones run amok, freely fire an Iron Man, Jarvis tries but fails to hack into War Machine. And note, the little boy in the Iron Man mask is Max Favreau, which has been retconned to be Tom Holland's Peter Parker, except the math doesn't work, because that little boy looks about 8, 9. Iron Man 2 is supposed to be 2008, whereas Spider-Man Homecoming is 2020, I believe. Therefore, Peter Parker would be about 20, 21, not fucking 16. Oh dear, oh dear. <clears throat> Black Widow arrives at Hammer HQ to deal with Whiplash and security guards. As she's doing so, the Happy Hobing takes on one of the guards. And note, according to behind the scenes, Scarlet is doing her own stunts at Waterwork, which I'm not sure about. Mm. I love the fact how Happy Hogan is 6 feet 2, I believe, and about, what, 2... 280? And Scarlett Johansson is 5 foot 3, yet she can take on dozens of men. I don't give a fuck how much gadgets you've got and how much, how much training you've got. There's no chance in hell she could take on numerous men, as Happy Hogan struggles to deal with... Feminism. <clears throat> anyway, she hacks into the computer systems and gives Roddy back the power to control War Machine as he and Iron Man take on the drones. Iron Man uses maximum effort as he fires off all his blasters at once and are basically firing them all off and killing all the bloody drones that surrounded him in a circle. <clears throat> Hammer is arrested and as he's carted off, he threatens Pepper, which goes fucking nowhere because he's never seen again. Whitlash flies in on his new high-powered suit, much like War Machine. War Machine fires Hammer's, quote, ex-wife missile, which fizzles and does bugger all, because Hammer technology is shit. So, Tony hits Whitlash with his twin blaster thing they done earlier, after Whitlash well, whips their asses and almost wins. This blows the biodome they're fighting in up and knocks Whitlash on his ass. In defeat, he self-destructs himself and all the drones. Tony saves, saves Pepper last minute and just does and st stands there as a drone is ticking down. Yeah, because you see a ticking bomb, you don't run away from it, you silly bitch. The park blows up, Tony and Pepper kiss on a rooftop, Roddy flies off with War Machine, as the next day, Fury runs the Avengers past Tony one more time, showing him Black Widow's report uh, on him, telling him that Iron Man is indeed needed, but not Tony. Tony sends he will lend his tech if Fury pulls a string or two, and cue Senator Stern handing Tony and Roddy medals as ECDC's Highway to Hell plays as credits roll onto a scene of Coulson in New Mexico and Thor's hammer stuck in the ground. 
And okay, Marvel, it's been 10 years. Can we please, for the love of all that is good in this world, stop it with these mid and end credit scenes? I mean, these movies are two hour plus long movies. We need to pee and get the fuck out of this cinema for crying out loud. It's like a stampede trying to get the cinema when you've got the staff coming to clean, you've got all these people sitting around waiting for the last possible droplet of fucking geekdom enough with the fucking mid-credit shit. If you can do your movie in the time allotted, you should not be fucking directing these movies. Jesus Christ, it drives me fucking nuts. Anyway, that was Iron Man 2. A killer soundtrack, great effects, the humour is on point. The villain is weak, however, that's a given with Marvel as they can't write villains for shit. Plus, hardly any of the lovey-dovey shit with Tony and Pepper. I'm going to give this thing a 8 out of 10. Come back next week for Avengers Assemble. And the rest of the month is Iron Man 3 and Age of Ultron. July is Captain America. August and September is Superman. October is House of Ween. My look at the house movies. And November is No Scare Vember. My look at the scary movie movies. <clears throat> anyway, check out my other franchise podcast of Mad Max, Star Wars, Psycho, Blade and more. Also my solo podcast of Batman Returns, Catwoman, The Fog and many more. So don't forget to share, like, comment and subscribe. Also follow up on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod and email me with suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. And if you're feeling extremely generous, check out my Patreon podcast, where for $1 a month, you get access to exclusive podcasts that are unscripted, unedited, and uncut. In fact, some of these ones are actually drinking and fucking pissed. Uh, these are over one hour long, including such classic movies as Beetlejuice and Tank Girl. A bye-bye. Now off to rock out to ACDC.